It's Tuesday, July 16th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Let's see them aliens. You probably noticed an influx of alien memes and jokes on your social media over the weekend. Well, that's because over 1 million people have signed on to a joke Facebook event to storm Area 51 and see what's inside. Michael Bryce Sadler, reporter for The Washington Post, joins us for how this all got started and how the Air Force plans to respond if people actually show up. Next, the Trump administration has made moves to eliminate nearly all asylum claims at the southern border. In a new directive slated to start today, it would prohibit claims from anyone who passes through another country on their way to the U.S., which essentially covers anyone other than people from Mexico. Molly O'Toole, immigration reporter for the L.A. Times, joins us for this new asylum rule that is certain to face legal scrutiny. Finally, President Trump has increased his attacks on a group of progressive Democrats known as the Squad, after telling them to go back to the broken and crime-infested countries they came from. Of the four congresswomen he is referring to, only one was born out of the country. Many are calling the president's statements racist, and will tell you what you need to know. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I think now what you see with this event is even the people who aren't necessarily diehard alien lovers just seeing a vehicle for them to be able to to express their interest in. All right, let, let's see. Let's see what's out there. Joining us now is Michael Bryce Sadler, reporter for The Washington Post. We're going to be talking about a fun topic. I, all weekend long, I was seeing a bunch of different posts, a bunch of different memes about all these people that want to storm Area 51. I think on Friday, there was about a half a million people who had signed up for this thing. Today, there's 1.1 million people who are in the I'm going category, and everybody wants to just show up to Area 51. They say there's so many of us that they're not going to be able to handle us, and we want to get in there and let's see them aliens. Right. Even on these postings on Facebook, they're saying it's a joke, but I mean, in this day and age, you never know who's going to take this seriously. Tell us a little bit more about this story. It was intended to be a joke, and I think it is still a joke. But as you said, we're up to a million people now. The question is, you know, what contingent of those million or so people or whoever else is just curious about this this story might actually go out there? At this point, I think it's a legitimate question to ask. Um, I think you'll probably even see some news stations out there just to see who might show up to this thing. It's really anyone's guess. But, I mean, as you said, it it picked up a lot of steam over the weekend. I think it was probably the most read story on the Post website uh, all throughout (laughs) the weekend, which is pretty remarkable considering some of the other news we've had. Area 51 has been trending. It's just something I think think everyone has a little bit of interest. Area 51 has that mythical vibe to it, and these people, or at least a contingent of them, want to see what's out there. So who started this up? I mean, it's been gaining traction, as you said. Media has been reporting on it. I think that kind of helps blow it up. Right. So my understanding is that it was a Twitch streamer um, known for for streaming video games who operates or works with someone who operates the meme uh, page on Facebook, just dedicated to, to making jokes, nothing serious. And in that same vein, I believe they created this joke event and it just picked up so much steam. There was so much interest that you start to lose sight of, is this really a joke? For a long time, Area 51, quote unquote, didn't exist as far as the government was letting people know. It was just kind of 
this place where people thought the government was housing aliens and housing spaceships, but that was officially debunked in 2013 when the CIA confirmed it. Right. The CIA has published information since then that shows it was a flight testing ground, um, a training ground. So we know it's real at this point. But that confirmation of its existence actually provided a lot of encouragement for people who are convinced that the government is hiding something at the base. In 2017, the Pentagon confirmed the existence of a $22 million program to analyze UFOs. Even just more recently, I think the Navy proposed new guidelines for pilots and other naval members to, you know, how to report if they've seen a UFO. So all of this stuff has just been in the news recently. And, you know, it gets Mm -hmm. the UFO enthusiasts and the alien enthusiasts all riled up. You're exactly right. And I think now what you see with this event is even the people who aren't necessarily diehard alien lovers, just seeing a vehicle for them to be able to to express their interest in. All right, let's see. Let's see what's out there. We wanted to speak to you specifically because the Washington Post reached out to the Air Force to get an official statement on this, and they actually did respond to you guys. So what did they say? How are they going to be handling this? So I spoke with an Air Force spokeswoman on Friday. Um, We had a pretty candid conversation. She made it clear to me they were aware of this. And I, I asked how they might respond if people showed up. That was really the angle I was going for with my story. And of course, for security reasons, she said they couldn't specifically say what security measures they have in place at the base, but she did discourage anyone from, quote, trying to come into the area where we train American armed forces. Right. And she she suggested that the Air Force is ready to protect America and its assets, unquote, for whatever that's worth. Uh, and I actually got an updated statement today from the Nellis Air Force Base which actually houses some of the land containing Area 51. And I guess it took them through the weekend to get this statement to me because I had reached out Friday. But they said it's something similar. We don't discuss specific security measures, but they said they're aware of the Facebook event. And they also added that any attempt to illegally access the area is highly discouraged. Yeah, I mean, there's Um, signs around the area that say that anybody who enters could be subject to deadly force. So please Do not storm this facility because you just don't want to get caught up in this. This joke event is planned for September 20th. The memes are hilarious in the meantime, and I'm loving them. But, you know, who knows? This is why we're doing the story. It's just so funny. That's what's happening on the Internet right now. And we'll never know. You know, we'll have to wait till September to see if anybody tries to make this happen. Michael Bryce Sadler, reporter for The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It essentially prohibits or renders ineligible for asylum in the United States anyone who crosses through another country before reaching the United States. And that basically rules out everyone. Joining us now is Molly O'Toole, immigration reporter for the L.A. Times. The Trump administration is changing the asylum rules once again. I mean, this is something that the administration has been trying to get a handle of the influx of migrants to the border. Things have changed. It used to be migrants coming from Mexico, single men mostly. Now these are a lot of family units seeking asylum, and it's really overloading the system at the border right now. In an effort to help mitigate that, the administration is changing the rules now, and this might eliminate all asylum from basically everywhere almost. Tell us how this is going to work. What are the new plans? 
So this is really the most aggressive step that the Trump administration has taken to dismantle the U.S. asylum system with a new rule that was published in the Federal Register, but it goes into effect Tuesday. It essentially prohibits or renders ineligible for asylum in the United States anyone who crosses through another country before reaching the United States. And that basically rules out everyone because asylum, by definition, needs to be claimed by someone who's arriving at the United States. The United States already has a safe third country agreement with Canada, which says that they can't pass through Canada and then claim asylum in the United States or vice versa. Uh, But the Trump administration, despite months and months of really intense lobbying, had failed to get Mexico or any other country further south to agree to being a safe third country. And so basically, the primary way in which people are claiming asylum is at the U.S.-Mexico border. So if you say that anyone who passes through another country first cannot claim asylum in the United States, that basically rules out everyone, except, of course, if you're a resident of Mexico or if you're someone who somehow manages to get a visa and fly to a U.S. airport. And uh, this is the intention of the Trump administration is to try and uh, effectively end asylum. So this is all being planned to be handled by agents at the border. When you get there, you're going to claim asylum. They're going to ask you, what country are you from? You could say El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala. That's where they're mostly coming from right now. And then how did you get here? I came through Mexico. And then boom, right away, you're ineligible. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because in terms of the process, it's entirely unclear how this is going to work. I mean, what you described would be a relatively logical way, potentially, that this could be implemented. And it would be sort of easy to weed people out because essentially if they're anyone other than Mexican, uh, and it should be noted that while Central Americans represent and Central American families and unaccompanied children represent the majority, at least, of who we know are coming to the border right now. There are also people from all around the world. There's right. a significant number of Haitians, Cubans, Africans. So they could rule, they could essentially uh, implement this policy in a really sweeping way by essentially just applying it to everyone who's not Mexican. But we should note that USCIS, for example, which is essentially the agency that handles the legal immigration system benefits, and they have the asylum officers who can conduct the asylum interviews. As as far as my most recent reporting, they had not received any official guidance as to how this policy was going to be implemented. Um, So to a large extent, the people who are going to be actually putting this policy into place on the ground, they don't have that official guidance yet for how it's going to work. This is almost certain to face legal scrutiny as with many of the president's actions on immigration. I, I think just about everything that he has tried to implement has faced some type of legal action, people will swiftly start filing legal claims against this. Right. The ACLU um, had already told us today, shortly after the rule was published in the Federal Register, that they'll be filing suit immediately. And so that suit is expected shortly, and they'll be trying to essentially argue to a judge that the policy should be blocked before it can even go into effect. See, I mean, U.S., it in many ways directly contradicts U.S. law, which establishes and enshrines the right of anyone who arrives at the U.S., um, regardless of how they enter the country, whether at a port of entry or between ports of entry, it establishes the right for them to claim asylum. And then there are the five categories under which they're considered eligible. So we have race, religion, political views, a particular social group, and that that is U.S. law. And so to say that 
essentially that anyone who arrives at the U.S. border can no longer claim asylum if they pass through another country directly contradicts that. In addition to the fact that U.S. law says unless there is a bilateral agreement that has been worked out with another country. But the only such agreement that exists at the moment uh, is with Canada. And so essentially the United States is unilaterally telling the rest of the world that they are a safe third country without the rest of the world having ever agreed to it. So that's another aspect where we can probably expect there to be, if not legal challenges, certainly diplomatic challenges uh, from countries, in particular Mexico, that would bear the brunt if this policy is to go into effect. The system is overtaxed. We've seen all the stories about the conditions at the border and some of these detention facilities. The pictures are horrible. The immigration courts are backlogged. There's more than 800,000 cases, and it just takes time to work through all that. But really, only about 15 to 20 percent of people actually win their asylum cases. You had some numbers in your report. In 2009, there was about 35,000 asylum claims. Only uh, slightly over 8,000 people were granted asylum. Uh, 2018, 162,000 claims were filed. 13,000 people were granted asylum. So these people are coming in large numbers, but really still not many people are granted asylum at the end of it. Molly O'Toole, immigration reporter for the L.A. Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I am not surprised when, a, when the president says that four sitting members of Congress should, quote, go back to their own country when he has authorized raids without warrants on thousands of families across this country. Join me now is my producer, Brooke. Thanks for being here, Brooke. Thanks, Oscar. So the president is currently fighting with a group of progressive Democrats that they're known as the squad. These are the four Democratic freshman congresswomen led by Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. There's Representative Elon Omar, Representative Rashida Tlaib, and Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts. They've been very vocal with a lot of what's going on. We've talked previously how they're fighting with Nancy Pelosi over trying to take the party a little further to the left. But over the weekend, the president kind of got involved also tweeting at them saying a bunch of crazy things. Go home to your country. Brooke, tell us how this started on the weekend. Well, it seems like, according to different sources as well, they sort of have this feeling that President Trump doesn't like it when the attention goes in other directions and other places. And I think he was feeling a little bit left out. And he, he sees this infighting, a little bit of a discord, and he jumps in. He jumps in and, and basically tells people to go back home. Well, these particular four women of color to go back home if they're not happy. Yeah, he says, you know, why don't you go home and fix the problems in your home countries and then come back and tell us how to do all this stuff. Well, the problem is that all four congresswomen are American citizens. Only one of them was born out of the country. That is Representative Elon Omar. She was born in Somalia, but she emigrated to the United States and she became a citizen when she was 17, I believe. Mm -hmm. So these attacks have been ramping up a lot and then continued to progress. The White House was trying to square this away, saying, well, they didn't mean he, you know, go back to your country, uh, you know, maybe go back to your districts and work there. That's how they were trying to smooth some of this stuff over. But in the meantime, Democrats jumped on all of the comments that he was making, calling them very racist and offensive toward the congresswomen. Republicans were slow at first to denounce some of these things, but very quickly they had to get in line and, and, and really call them out. Uh, tell us some of the Republican reactions so far to this. 
some names that you might recognize. Uh, Tim Scott from South Carolina. Uh, Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania. Uh, Fred Upton from Michigan. And then Pete Olson from Texas. Mike Turner from Ohio. Paul Mitchell from Michigan. Um, several of them are saying that the tweets were racist and he should apologize. And they want to say that we must work as a country to rise above hate and not enable it. Uh, that was a tweet from uh, Mike Turner, as a matter of fact. And they're all very similar to that. Right, exactly. The president was asked by reporters more in depth about this. And, you know, he kind of repeated the same thing that he had in the in his tweets. If you're not happy with this country, that's one of the allegations he kept saying. Yeah, you know, these representatives are not happy with the country. They hate the country. Uh, he said, if you're not happy, then leave. If you're not happy here, you can leave. And that's what I say all the time. That's what I said in a tweet, which I guess some people think is controversial. A lot of people love it, by the way. And then he continued and specifically shot at Representative Omar. In one case, you have somebody that comes from Somalia, which is a failed government, a failed state, who left Somalia, who ultimately came here, and now is a congresswoman who's never happy, says horrible things about Israel, hates Israel, hates Jews. The reason why he's commenting on that is that Representative Omar ignited a bipartisan uproar in Washington. This was months ago when she, she suggested that members of Congress supported Israel only for money. So that got everybody in an uproar and the president is chiming in on that front. For their part, the Democratic Congresswoman yesterday had a press conference and also very forceful against the president. I mean, this is just going to keep going on, I think, for the rest of the week. But let's start with uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's kind of the leader of this progressive squad, and hear what she had to say. I am not surprised when, a, when the president says that four sitting members of Congress should, quote, go back to their own country when he has authorized raids without warrants on thousands of families across this country. We'll stay focused on our agenda and we won't get caught slipping because all of this is a distraction. It's a distraction from what's most important and from our core values as American citizens. Obviously, she's making mention of what's going mm-hmm. on at the border. The president, while this was all happening, was tweeting at the same time. He tweeted before, during and after this press conference. And he tweeted things like these detention facilities are not concentration camps. America has never been stronger than it is now. Rebuilt military, highest stock market ever. Lowest unemployment. Keep America great. You know, so this is what he's tweeting while this is all going on. And then perhaps the congresswoman that had the most forceful things to say against the president was Representative Omar she called his comments racist and the agenda of white nationalists. He's launching a blatantly racist attack on four duly elected members of the United States of House of Representatives, all of whom are women of color. This is the agenda of white nationalists, whether it is happening in chat rooms or it's happening on national TV. And now it's reached the White House Garden. This story is going to continue for the rest of the week. The House plans to introduce a resolution condemning the president's attacks on the four congresswomen. So that will most undoubtedly get voted through. Obviously, very symbolic. The president, for his part, doesn't seem to be backing down and neither do these four congresswomen. Not at all. Yeah, this thing is going to keep progressing for the week. So we'll keep you guys updated. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Oscar. That's it for today. 
Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.